you don't need to follow all the rules and you can there's a lot of rules you can break and there's a lot of things you can do differently you don't have to follow what other people are telling you to do from the cubicle to the lab the studio to the war room climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup experience a day in the life of the jobs you want this is the experience a day in the life podcast We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part two in the two-part beauty brand boss series. In part one, we experienced a day in Aggie Burnett's life as a beauty brand strategist and the founder at AB Creative. In this episode, we'll take you through Aggie's career journey so you know what skills and experience are necessary to be a beauty brand strategist slash PR aficionado. Aggie's no stranger to the beauty and fashion world. She got her start at Condé Nast and worked her way up from intern to beauty assistant for Glamour Magazine before she even graduated. After absorbing the exposure and knowledge she got, she felt the need to start a brand of her own, blending her passion for traveling and her expertise in beauty. So Noma Terra was born and eventually stocked in Sephora stores nationwide. Let's learn how she did it. Aggie was born in Poland, and back then it was still under communist rule. Her parents sacrificed their careers in medicine and dentistry and, of course, the risk of getting caught. But that didn't matter. Her parents wanted a better life for them, so they moved to the U.S. when she was a baby. Fast forward 17 years, and Aggie attended New York University for undergrad and studied journalism, which was against her parents' wishes. They wanted her to study pre-med. This discussion on Aggie's journalism pursuit led her to ultimately sign up for her first journalism class in copywriting and ethics. She fell in love with the work from there. She told us this back and forth with her parents truly motivated her to make the most of the classes she took. I went through a period of time in school where I had some anxiety and I didn't, you know, really understand where it was coming from. And I remember when I took my first internship in journalism, it was at Working Mother Magazine. And like literally within a day or two, my anxiety was gone because I was doing what was true to me. It was amazing. I was like, this is what I meant. Like, this is what where I, my joy is. This is what I'm meant to do. A few internships later, Aggie got her foot in the door at Glamour Magazine, working as a fashion and accessories intern. She recorded everything that came through. She came up with different stories about the items they got. She schlepped the items all over New York City to different shoots and events. So she was basically drowning in clothes, shoes and accessories. <laughs> The biggest thing that I learned was really um, listening to your gut and taking action in the moment. But it didn't have to do with that specific internship. It actually had to do with the specific instance. My mother had actually pulled a clipping of, I think it was an architectural digest. It was um, an article about uh, the home of the beauty director at Glamour magazine. And she was like, oh, you know, you're interning at Glamour. And there's this Polish woman who is a beauty director at Glamour. Like, and so she handed it to me for, you know, she thought I'd be interested in it. And I read it and I held on to it. And 
one day I'm going through the elevator doors at Kanye Nast for my internship. And lo and behold, it's Felicia Milevich, the beauty director at Glamour, stand, you know, standing there. And I was like, oh, my God, this is my shot. Like, I need to, <laughs> like, she's here and I need to say something. And so I just said to her in Polish, like, I just read this article about you and you're so inspirational. You know, I, I love what you've done. I, I'm an intern now at Glamour. Is there, like, I'd love to, I'd love to learn more about you and she was like so shocked that I spoke to her in Polish first of all and that I was like approaching her like it was silent like there was like there was a crowd of like 12 people in that elevator and it was like silent oh my I thought it was just you <laughs> no. two. Oh no 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 oh that's oh my amazing gosh, no. that's <laughs> awesome and I was just like this is my chance this is my shot um I have a few seconds right and so um truly an elevator moment and she was just so surprised but also impressed I guess because she was like hey why don't you come by my office you know when if you have a moment I'm just around the corner from the fashion department and so you know as we exited and we parted ways I just was planning out like okay when can I see her and we as interns we got time off uh, for lunch lunchtime I think it was like half an hour 45 minutes so I went over there and you know we started chatting I, I, I was like God, it was so like innocent and like naive. I was just like, I'm just gonna do it, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, yeah, I started chatting with her and she offered, I was like, can, is there any way I can help you? And this is like a big thing that I, I want to share with your audience. Like, if you, if there's something that you're really passionate about or there's a mentor or someone that you really look up to, See how you can help them because there is a way you can help them. Don't think just because you're in college that there's no way like they would even listen to me or hear me out. Offer a way you can help them. There's there. I promise you there will be a way that you can offer your help. And for me, it was offering my help to organize their beauty closet. And literally, so I would spend every lunch when all the other interns were eating lunch, I would use that time to to work basically a second shift in in the beauty closet and so like before I even left college before I even graduated from college I had gotten a beauty beauty freelancer position in the glamour beauty closet one day a week so senior year rolled around and Aggie had her sights set on a full-time editorial job at any publication but Condé Nast glamour magazine was number one editorial jobs are extremely competitive so the pressure was on. So the beauty assistant that had been there for four or five years who, you know, everyone was like, oh, she'll be here, you know, for a while, decided to, she had given her notice, her two-week notice. And I was like, what do I do? <laughs> and because everyone had told me like, oh, for this position, for this beauty assistant position, you need at least two, three years of experience. So they won't like take you. And I was like, okay, but I've been here for the last like year or so working as like a one a day beauty freelancer. Like what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. So I ended up like the minute I found, like the day I found out, I had asked for a meeting with the beauty director. I'd asked her if I could see her that day, like for a private meeting. And that's when I said, you know, I'd love to throw my name in the ring 
um, and be considered for this job. I've been doing X, Y, and Z. They were starting to give me more responsibilities too, like more writing stuff. And so I was like, I'd love to throw my name in the ring, you know, and um, I've been also answering your phone calls. You know, whenever the beauty assistant went out to lunch, I was the one answering the calls. And they said, you know, we'll consider it. I'll talk to, you know, uh, the executive editor and we'll we'll think about it. I had written notes to the executive editor as well as the the beauty director as well on top of that meeting, just stressing my interest in the position. And then I found out that I, uh, a few days later, I think I found out that I was going to be given a chance to, like a trial run as a beauty assistant. But really it meant like, like you got the job. I had to take one of my, like a sick day or like a, like a personal day to graduate because I had already started. <laughs> oh God. Like, yeah. That's yeah. right. And it was like, I, when I got that job, you remember that song, Glamorous by Fergie? Yes. <laughs> Do I remember Do that I remember? song? <laughs> <laughs> like, I played that nonstop. Amazing. Legit, I was in my apartment. I was like, glamorous. <laughs> I'm so glamorous. <laughs> so nerdy, but like, I was just on, on cloud nine. As a beauty assistant, Aggie was given a lot of responsibilities because at that time, digital content was slowly becoming a thing. So she had a lot of free range to write beauty articles, and she worked pretty closely with the writers and editors of the magazine. And she got to go to tons of launch events, concerts, and sporting events on the beauty brand's dime. But she also told us there were challenges balancing being the beauty director's assistant and creating content. Because you're really her assistant first. And then all the extra, like, copy or content creation is more of an opportunity or a luxury in the job, especially early on. Let's talk about what made you decide to leave Condé Nast seems like it was your thing like you you were excelling and loving what you were doing what made you want to leave yeah I think that it was a it's a really good question I think it's the answer sort of multifaceted I had was getting the opportunity to interview a lot of brand founders or at least like go to their launch events and see how they've created something from nothing to some to something I I think I was really inspired and really like energized by the fact that maybe I could start something like that on my own at some point, you know, that maybe if I learned enough and was inspired enough by them that I could do it, you know, myself. And then I think I also realized that I wasn't necessarily fit for a corporate job as much as I really wanted to fit in. I think I struggled with a lot of the rules and regulations of the job at the time. I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to be more free-spirited and have more of a creative input. You know, when you're in a large corporate environment like Condé Nast, you know, they have their set ways of doing things. And um, I think I was, over time, I was starting to feel a little restrained and, and restricted. And so that... I. That had um, some influence on it as well. I decided to leave so that I could actually go back to graduate school in order to start my own brand. Interesting. Even though, like, I realize now, I'm like, I did not need to go to. <laughs> I did not need to go to graduate school to start my own brand. But I think because of you know when you are raised in a family where education is so 
valued and so important. I needed that credential, that doctor con- credential to start a skincare brand. I realize that you don't now. <laughs> <laughs> so she left Glamour Magazine to attend grad school at Columbia University, where she got her pre-med certificate studying biology, chemistry, organic chemistry, and physics. She told us she had to convince herself that it was the right path to take, that throwing herself back into math and science would help her. But in hindsight, even after giving it 110%, she told us that she did it to please her family and as a result, wasn't being true to herself. Because I think I was in this like murky time and I think a lot of people at the, you know, in your early 20s, you're trying to figure yourself out. And you may not have the strength yet to really know who you are yet. So you're sort of listening to other people and other voices in society is telling you you should do this, this or this. And so I was in this sort of like lost, a little bit of a lost, confusing path. And um, but the the sort of bright side of things during that time was that I met my husband. So it was all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> After she got her graduate certificate, she joined the startup at the time, ViaLife, as the marketing manager. She was there for about a year, but that job taught her a lot about the business side of brands, which at that point, she only knew about the editorial and creative side. So let's talk about Nomatera, how that all kind of came about. Where did the idea spring from first? Uh, So it sprung from, like, my love of travel and my love of beauty actually it was it was pretty much a, a combination of like travel and beauty my husband and i were thinking about how can we make fragrance more travel friendly and so we can we over like a couple you know over a year or so we came up with the proprietary fragrance application system of a fragrance wipe which didn't exist at the time like at all and so that was sort of like our Hero product, the product that everyone wanted to write about and the product that was drawing attention was the fragrance wipe. It was like a circular wipe where you swipe it on and it's equivalent to three to four spritzes, like four to five spritzes of perfume. And you put it like on your neck, your decolletage, your your, your wrist, the same places you would normally spritz perfume, mm-hmm. but it's just on the go and it's, and it's one time use. So we'll get to how you got buzz around your brand in a bit, but I want to talk about the beginning stages of it, especially how you capture the scent of a place. We did a lot of research on each place. Obviously, we traveled to every place that we'd created a fragrance for. And the places are like East Hampton, Miami, Boston, Malibu, D.C., Brooklyn, New Orleans. So cool. Yeah, they, they all have a very special place in our hearts and... I did a lot of research, like figuring out like what's unique, like what's growing uniquely in each of these specific places. Like DC is known for their cherry blossoms. You know, East Hampton is known for their cedar wood, the cedar wood that washes up on the shore. So there are a lot of there was a lot of research that went into it. And I ended up ordering like tons, like hundreds of oils to our tiny 300 square foot apartment on the Upper West Side. And definitely made the, the halls smell good. Like I think people were thinking <laughs> we were like making things <laughs> I don't know if they're like they thought they were legal or not legal but <laughs> it was just fragrance and um yeah I was just on the counter like playing with my oils and once I felt like it was the right scent and smelled good I would do like a little focus group mm-hmm. amongst friends and family 
by the way, advice, like if you are doing a focus group, if you have a product, I would not necessarily send it to friends and family. I would go like beyond that, like go to friends of friends because friends and family will always like want to support you, but they're not giving you, they won't necessarily give you like the real, the real thing that you need, the real information that you need. Then we would like, you know, create a spreadsheet of like, okay, this is the feedback we're getting for this scent. This is the feedback we're getting for this. This is what we need to tweak. This is what we need to improve upon. And we just kept improving, improving. And then we were ready to launch. The products that she made at the time of launch were the twist up travel components of her fragrances that were under three ounces. Aggie told us it took her nine months from the research to the launch party, which in hindsight, she wishes they waited a little longer. But the launch must go on. Aggie leveraged her connections with the media and vendors and threw an elegant, fabulous launch party for no more than $800 with 300 people attending, bootstrapping to the max. Even before the launch, one of her biggest goals was to get Nomaterra in Sephora. Sephora has 400 plus stores in the United States alone. I had it on my mirror, like written out, like Nomaterra will be in Sephora or like Nomaterra is in Sephora. I had in like lipstick on my mirror and I just looked at that every day. It was my dream retailer where we wanted our product in. And we put a package together, like a beautiful package of our products. And we did have the wipes as well in there and the travel components. And we wrote a personalized note. I knew I knew how to do it just because like how you pitch editors is kind like pretty similar to how you would pitch retailers and I just sort of modified found out what their email address was their mailing address and then looked up the right buyer on LinkedIn and and sent it off to her and it ended up she wasn't the right beauty buyer but she was like oh this is cool this is innovative it's different let me pass it on to the right buyer so she was it was really nice of her to do so and then I think I remember there was like a phone call that came in where it was my husband and I were, you know, in our apartment in Brooklyn and we got this call. It was them and they were like, this is really interesting. Like, tell us more about your brand. Tell us more about the inspiration. And then I think they'd asked for some follow up information for us to send to them. They were like, we're going to we want you to come in to like fly into San Francisco to meet with our buying team in person. In San Fran, Aggie and her husband put together this elaborate presentation that they ended up not even referring to that much in the meeting. Their pitch came from their hearts, and that's where Aggie realized they were trying to get to know them as people. Your brand is an extension of you. After the meeting, there was a lot of back and forth. That's because the Sephora reps kept changing. Also, they went back and forth a lot, making tweaks to the Nomaterra fragrance wipes, which was the product that Sephora was interested in first. If you're in this process or if you're thinking of starting a product brand and pitching it to big retailers, know that it's not like they just like pick up your product. It's rare that happens. They usually want certain changes done, whether it's to your price point, whether it's to your packaging, whether it's to your component or your marketing strategy, whatever. Oftentimes, like there's a lot of back and forth on making some changes to make it the right fit for their company. I always advise like don't place an order for your products like a large order before you actually have the PO in you know in your hands and you know be open to their suggestions. Oh the PO is a a purchase order. But once you got that PO how did that feel? I mean it was it was like 
we were like, at first we were ce- we were celebrating. We were so excited. And then we're like, fuck, we have like eight weeks to get this on. <laughs> <laughs> like, we need to hustle. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. crazy. What, bootstrapping it? Yeah, totally. Totally bootstrapping it. Like, calling in our friends and family to come and like start filling our boxes. And we found out that the manufacturer of our wipes had made a big, big error, like, in the process of stuffing the boxes with the fragrance wipes because each box had 12 wipes. And so our choice was we can send this off to a filling company to have this done, right? But we felt like we, on this first order, we wanted to make sure like everything was done right and we had checked everything, you know, wanted to make sure like it was perfect for Sephora. And thank God we did that because in the process of us packaging up these boxes, the little pouch that was holding the wipe, it felt empty. And we opened it up and it didn't have a wipe inside. That was just one or all of them? Well, it was just one. Oh, okay. And there were like, well, no, in that situation, there was one. But then, but then yeah. we had to check 30,000 wipes uh. <laughs> individually. And we had to take out a bunch because a, a ton had already been put into the boxes. Oh, oh my God. So literally, I lost my shit. <laughs> yeah, I, it was insanity. And so like, Every, we we were like calling in friends and family to come and literally working through the night for like 12 days straight, like like t- touching and testing and you couldn't open it because then it's like, right. right, it's one time use, so it's done after you open it. So you had to like touch every one and feel whether there was a fucking wipe inside. Oh and like God. literally a third of them didn't have them. But Could you imagine wow. if we had sent them off? Oh I know. Oh my God. Big. A third of them? Yeah. And on top of it all, Aggie found all of this out when she was in Thailand for a perfume course. Imagine the stress. So what would you do to replace it? Well, luckily, we had ordered way more than we needed because we were like, oh, we'll like sell the rest online, right? Like to like our customers who are buying online. Thank God we did. Note to everyone out there, like if you have a major order, if you're doing anything like for the first time and it's for someone that's really important that you really this is like your dream or something important to you, like you should be the one checking it. You can't start delegating until you know your system first, like you have your system down first. You know what I mean? And I'm all for for delegating, but like the first time, second time, like you should be the one who knows how to do everything. You should be the one who's like checking everything. You got to do it right. Like you have to do it right. This is our chance. This is our shot, like one shot. Ben like had to go, you know, he was working. And so he he was like, he had gone days without sleeping and most of my friends and family, you know, had gone days without sleeping and I came back and then I would like throw I threw myself right in and was just like going, it was like two or three days that I was just going straight without sleeping just to get it all out on time. And luckily we got it into Sephora's warehouses early. Fast forward four to five years and Aggie was approached by other brand founders asking her how she got so savvy with Nomatera's PR, marketing, social media, and content strategy. This led to the genesis of AB Creative. She felt like she just had to share her knowledge with the world. And so I started doing that on the side. And I really found a lot of joy out of it. I felt like I finally was taking all these experiences I had with Nomatera, mistakes that I made, things that I had done right. And I was finally able to share all this knowledge with other people. I felt like, you know, working on my brand, you know, it was all like... You're so in it and you're it's kind of lonesome in a way like, you know, you're just working on your own brand, but you're not really helping 
other people. And then um, I got pregnant with my son and I really thought about the lifestyle that I wanted for, for us and how I saw work-life, quote-unquote, balance, how I saw that to be. I realized that the future, for me at least, was to really put more focus into AB Creative and really build out, you know, this service business that, I, that was organically growing and figure out how to maybe keep Nomatera going, but on a smaller scale. Not necessarily scale it because we could we could have brought on investors and really, you know, grown it larger. But we had a nice loyal following going online. You know, we have loyal customers that buy from us still to this day, like all the time. I just felt like for me, the right decision was to not scale that, but really give AB Creative a shot because it was fulfilling work for me. So you said you help your clients find their audience, but who's your audience? Who's your ideal client? That's a really good <laughs> question. Um, I spent a lot of time working on this. And so I started writing her out. You know, what is her name? What is her, what are her dreams? What are her aspirations? She's very hardworking. And she is a she. However, like I do work with men as well, but predominantly my clients are women she has an educated background. She is very ambitious. She's also a family woman. And this company is a legacy for her. This company is a bigger meaning than just making money. She wants to make a difference in women's lives. She wants to make an impact. She wants to inspire people to live their most authentic and most true selves and make a change in the world. And this product is just a tool. To close it out, you went through your whole life experience. <laughs> Looking back, what would you tell your 18-year-old self today? That's super easy to answer now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your intuition. Listen to your gut. It's, it will never steer you wrong. And if you're feeling like butterflies are anxious about something, like in a not a good way, that's usually a good indicator that you need to really kind of think about what you're doing right now and maybe look into how you could change that. And then also a big one, which I think I do feel like I was doing this then, but I feel like I'm doing it a lot more now, is being fearless and breaking convention. Like, you don't need to follow all the rules. And you can, there's a lot of rules you can break and there's a lot of things you can do differently. You don't have to follow what other people are telling you to do. That wraps up part two in the Beauty Brand Boss series. Huge thanks to Aggie Burnett for sharing her wisdom throughout this experience, A Day in the Life series. If you want to get connected with Aggie, her contact info is on the show notes page at xadiddle.com slash beauty dash brand dash boss. And you can go to abcreativenyc.com for more info about her business. Also on the show notes page, Aggie hooked us up with a free step-by-step -step guide to pitching. Learn everything you need to know, including an actual pitch script to pitch influencers and media. And of course, if you haven't already, be sure to listen to part one in this series to experience a day in the life of a beauty brand strategist. 
So they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com slash students. That's x-a-d-i-t-l dot com slash students. Thanks for listening. Head over to xadiddle.com. That's xadiddle.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Poe and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.